following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. What's up, Michigan? It is our number three on an MHSAA Wednesday. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer. We're being heard on 19 stations statewide. For the one close to you, go to thehugeshow.net. There you can listen to our free weekday stream, 3 until 6. And on the iHeart app, search The Huge Show. And you can listen anywhere in the world where you have mobile service. Mark Gill, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, in studio here for the next couple of segments. Mark also does his yearly tour where he reaches out uh, to Michigan high schools and he wants their feedback on what is important, what's on a checklist they would like to see get done. And Mark, one of the things that we touched on briefly the last time you were in studio, NIL at the high school level. What are you hearing from member schools when it comes to name, image, and likeness money for Michigan high school student-athletes? We're getting some interesting feedback right now from our schools because, Bill, a bill was introduced in the Michigan House of Representatives here about six weeks ago that would allow NIL opportunities for high school kids in Michigan. Now, the bill itself, it's essentially a copy of the current state law for college NIL opportunities in Michigan. So wherever the old bill said college, it's almost like they just got out their eraser and erased college and penciled in high school. Well, I got invited to testify um, because I I do have some some real concerns. And I think the thing that uh, really resonated with uh, those on the, uh, the House Higher Education Committee, which was the, the committee it was before, is I explained that college NAL makes a lot of sense because college sports, especially at the Power Five level, are a billion-dollar industry. In that industry, you've got people at the Power Five level who are making millions of dollars, whether that's coaches, whether that's high-end administrators, Um, This is a billion-dollar industry to where there are millionaires being made every day of the week. So a reasonable person could look at the college landscape and say, with all the money being generated, you know what? It makes sense for the kids here to be getting a piece of the action. And I told the committee that day that's why college NIL makes a lot of sense, at least to me personally. Now take this to the high school level. Most high school athletic budgets are 2% of their total school budget. Um, That is quite common in almost all of our schools. So it's not a billion-dollar industry at the high school level. Of that 2%, you've got high school athletic departments that are hoping to break even at the end of the year. You then take the next step. Well, instead of millionaires being paid at at the coaching and administrative level, you've now got people, and the average salary right now of a school coach in Michigan is $3,800 a season. So we're a break-even operation. Average coaching salary is $3,800. 
I'm not quite sure the high school level has the same economic scale as the college level to where an NIL bill is necessary. And and when I said that, I got really good body language from uh, both Democrats and Republicans on the committee. And that's why the bill, at least for now, and I'm knocking on every piece of wood near me, has seemed to slow. Now, the one part where I can see a very narrow exception would be individual opportunities for individual kids. Because what I would not want to have happen is we have a real, and fill in the sport, a really talented kid in Michigan who has a, they go through their freshman year of high school, their sophomore year of high school, and they are a legit athlete. This is a kid who's going to be highly recruited, a kid who's going to have certainly future opportunities at the college level, and who knows beyond that. What I would hate to have, Bill, is for those kids in, in his or her family to then have to make the decision, well, going into my junior year, we have to move out of state, and we have to move to a state that does allow some individual NIL opportunities. So, And by the way, most of the NIL money that is currently being made at the college level actually flows to kids through what they're doing on social media. It's the kind of following and presence that they have on Instagram or, or you know, how slick uh, their TikTok videos are and, and what the number of followers are and what the metrics are beyond that. So I would be able to find a very narrow um, exception. But what I was able to tell the committee that day is if we're going to bring NIL to the high school level and uh, school booster clubs are now going to somehow become collectives, we think we have issues right now between the public and non-public schools in our state. Um, to, to go with the Wild West that uh, college the college space has right now with collectives and, you know, you come to our school and be part of this program and here are the dollars attached to it, that will absolutely be a battle where it will be a draw line in the sand and, and we'll go to war over that. So a kind of a long rambling answer, but wanted to give your listeners kind of just a 30,000-foot overview of the current bill. Like I said, there's not any indication that it's going to move here quickly, but What's the one thing we can live with? Individual opportunities for individual kids. And by the way, Bill, you're going to be talking less than 1% of kids every single year who would even have uh, some opportunity in this area. Mark, I think we touched on this a little bit before that if you're going to get to the point where you want kids to get paid, then create high schools, charter schools that aren't part of the Michigan High School Athletic Association that do their own thing. And those kids basically would get paid uh, to go to that school. Could be free education, could be like a, a you know a private institution. They have their own championships. They have a network of 10, 12 teams, and they play almost similar to what the G League is doing, right? The G League or even, you know, uh, you know, because we've talked on here earlier that we've adjusted our, our travel and competition rule. And, you know, I'll bump into a few people. Oh, I can't wait to, you know, have some of our schools play IMG. Well, IMG is no more of a high school than I am an Olympic level athlete. That the, that IMG is not a high school. IMG is a sports academy. And if you want your child to go and do the sports academy experience, God bless you. Um, wish you all the best. But don't try and, and take your personal opinion and try and have our 750 high schools all morph into these uh, you know sports academy type setups. We are educational based sports that yep the athletic experience is a very important part of what we do but it's all part of the total school experience where students first, athletes second and uh, 
And again, if for those very you know high level kids that want to do the sports academy thing, God bless you. Uh, we wish you well, but don't try and and uh, you know push uh, that approach on to to all of our other high schools. And as we've mentioned before, talking about like the IMG Academy, they do not play in the Florida High School Athletic Association. Correct. That is correct. And every time you see IMG on TV, you see them playing, but uh, before a couple hundred fans. Because these are kids from all over the country. There is no sense of community. There is no sense of we're playing um, for that school to where I started off as a kindergartner. All of the the culture and fabric, Bill, that makes the high school sports experience so special, those sports academies have none of it. They draw the same number of fans that AAU draws, which are flies. Um, Again, the thing that, that makes school sports unique is uh, high school sports in Michigan is part of the community, and that's what makes uh, right now a Friday night in the fall uh, so very special. You know, speaking of the growth of high school football that we talked about in my opening conversation with you today, and Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, joining us, has there ever been any conversation about uh, allowing football teams to have some spring days where they could get together? Not necessarily contact, but just a a shortened eight, 10, 12 practices where on a Sunday night uh, the football teams could get something done in the spring. So the philosophical conversation that's gone back and forth is our current out-of-season rules, Bill, allows school coaches to work with kids every single day, but they're limited to no more than four at a time. So you're saying that any program could work with kids Every single day, four at a time. So football season goes, uh, you know, school start, you know, we'll say end of August, goes until June. The football season goes until early November or late November if you're making a run to Ford Field. So most teams will use that after January 1st. They'll do their four-on-fours that spring semester. Like uh, Jill Schwander, a great coach at Forest Hills Eastern, does. They get together on, I think, twice a week at 6.30 in the morning, right, yep. with with groups of four. Yep, so uh, so everybody's football season for the out-of-season rules actually ends on the last day of our finals. So whether your school doesn't make the playoffs, gets eliminated in the first round, everybody's out-of-season clock starts on the same day, which is the day after the last state championship game. So for football programs during the months of December, January, February, March, April, and May, you're now under the four-player rule. So if you're going to do anything with a football or football-specific activities, your coaches can work with four kids at a time. And it's very common, um, okay, from after school from 3 to 3.30, we're going to work with our four quarterbacks. And at 3.30, I'm going to bring in a group of four linemen. And at 4 o'clock, I'm going to bring in a group of four linebackers. In other words, our schools, like the individual groups that are really unlimited, can be every day. Because what that, in most cases, allows for is those kids to also play a sport in the spring. The fear is that if you would give football or any other sport that you're going to get eight practice days in the spring or you're going to get, uh, you know, uh, 
six practice days and we're going to let you go play in four seven-on-sevens, what that might do, because football drives the bus in a lot of our school communities, is, well, now kids might say, well, I'm not going to play baseball. Or, you know what, I'm, a, I'm an average track kid. You know, I enjoy running. It's probably good for me. But you know what, instead of running track and being part of that team, I'm going to do the spring football thing. And our schools have said, we don't want that. Um, if that's an experience that somebody wants, there are plenty of options in the southern part of our country where spring football is a thing. What's interesting, and you've heard me say on air before, is what I constantly compare Michigan to is what are the other Big Ten states doing? Now, that'll get a little more complicated come next year when most of the West Coast becomes part of the Big Ten footprint. But, okay, what are our rules and, and what kind of footing does this place our kids with when compared with Pennsylvania? or Ohio, or Illinois, or Minnesota, or Iowa. And right now, Bill, most of our rules allow all of our kids in Michigan to really be on equal footing to what's allowed in those other states. Those other states don't have spring football either because there is kind of a Midwestern mindset that we want kids to play multiple sports. Every year after the first round of the NFL draft, you always see a graphic or a meme online that of the 32 guys picked in the first round, at least 20-plus of those kids were multi-sport athletes in high school. They just didn't focus on football because, again, if you're going to be a first-round draft choice, you're going to be a freak athlete, not just a football athlete, but an athlete that you know plays basketball, runs track, does whatever, and, uh, and that is certainly why, uh, philosophically, we want kids to be well-rounded. Mark Hill, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, joining us in studio here on the Huge Show across Michigan. Yeah, I, I look at it, and I think between the spring four-on-four workouts, the workouts they start in June, football is well covered on, on workouts, I think, at Michigan high schools. Correct? It does. And, and the other thing you hear from, from people in the uh, medical world and the training world is, you know what, kids need a break. I know, Bill, your family, uh, you know, are are baseball people. And you know what? Now with all of the uh, winter training and and off-season training, I mean, you have kids who are are pitchers to where uh, you talk to to people who are professional scouts. They're like, kids need to put the ball down for a couple of months because – you're seeing just the overuse injuries because everybody's chasing the, you know, I'm a pitcher and, you know, want to get drafted, want to get that Division One scholarship. And what you lose sight of sometimes is the human body needs a little bit of rest. And so that's also our, our philosophy of individual groups out of season are okay, but we don't want, you know, teams to, to literally be going uh, 12 months out of the year. And the one thing I will say about the fall sports, with those individual workouts, with what they do having the summer to walk it up, there's a big advantage. You bet. There is. And then I look at, you know, my son Legend playing soccer at Forest Hills Eastern, that they have that summer to get ready, where the girls' soccer rolls into a winter, and they may do some indoor leagues, and they'll, they'll do their four-on-fours, but it's almost like some of those winter sports maybe could get an expansion on the numbers that are allowed because there is a competitive advantage for the fall sports compared to the spring sports. Yep, and and if you remember back as we were coming out of COVID. Yes, the 14 extra practices. We did. We gave, so our, our spring teams lost their entire seasons in that spring of, of uh, 2020. And what we allowed all of our spring sports to do that fall of 20 is we gave them full practice days. 
And uh, I really thought our schools would be more in support of that because the feedback we got from our spring programs was this was great. It really kind of helped us reconnect with our kids, reconnect with our athletes. But the the one negative that we all lived through is, well, that was a certain um, dissentive for kids to also be playing a fall sport. What it, what our school people said is, you know what, this is if we would allow this all the time, it would really, um, I think, uh, be an impediment to kids playing multiple sports, and that's why we went back to the four-player rule. Right, and I agree, and it could hurt the winter sport if you moved it to 14 practices in the winter, yep. indoors full teams. Well, you know what, I'm not... A girl might say, I'm playing soccer, I'm not going to play basketball, right? Exactly. And, and, and the pressure that is applied there, depending on how seriously that school takes that spring sport, right? hundred percent. And uh, no, and, and kids at the high school level, if you, know, if you have your one sport where that's your focus and your best sport, I, I'm still old school enough to think that, you know what, kids should still have the opportunity to be part of their secondary sport where, you know what, I'm probably not putting all of the work in out of season and year round, but you know what, when basketball season comes around every year, I'm still good enough to make my school team. I enjoy being part of the team. I enjoy the sport. Um, kids should still be able to do that uh, without having to focus on just one sport year round. It's almost like there should be a three-sport athlete award for the Michigan High School Athletic Association every year to athletes who play all three sports. Our, not, not based on their numbers, yep, but a combination of what they do in the classroom, what they do in the community, and what they do on the field. Right? Yep. And we've uh, pushed that multi-sport athlete or statewide uh, ADs association, the MIAAA, that is always a focus that they have. And um, just trying to draw more attention to that because, again, you... When your uh, high school days are done, um, done. You know, your, your chance to, to play multiple, it, it's over. Um, and so we want to make sure that kids have that chance. Mark Hill, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, joining us in studio here on the Huge Show Wednesdays, presented by the MHSAA. Follow everything Michigan High School Sports, MHSAA.com. At MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook. And you can watch live and on-demand boys and girls high school sports all across Michigan. Just go to MHSAA.tv. From St. Joseph to Midland, this show is huge. In the gym. Hey, sports fans, here's a hanging curveball that you can knock out of the ballpark. This is Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball, inviting you to step up to the plate at Eagle Casino and Sports, the mobile sports book where you can bet on all your favorites all year round, including, of course, our national pastime. So download the app and start winning today. The Eagle Casino and Sports, made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 years or older and in Michigan to play. We are enamored by certain things in sports, and in baseball, it's always been about the home run. 500 is deemed to be the magic mark for a career. Miguel Cabrera is part of a 28-man group who has hit that many in Major League history. Cabrera stands 26th all-time on that list with 510, 255 on the road, 255 at home. He also ranks 17th all-time in hit, 13th all-time in doubles and RBIs, 14th in total bases and extra base hits. I've said for the last two years it's amazing the company he keeps in all these categories, but maybe I should be looking at it the other way around. It's incredible that so many players are in the same company as Miguel Cabrera. Bill Simonson here for my good friend, Josh Garvey. He is a managing partner at Bean Garter, soon to be Dorn Mayhew, and they'll be stronger together. And did you know Bean Garter can help your business with outsourcing your payroll and other business needs? 
that can help ease tax filing and year-end reporting, compliance reporting, human resources management, time and attendance tracking, and more. Just go to beangarter.com to find out more how they can help your payroll system and make your workplace that much smoother. Go to beangarter.com, that's B-E-E-N-E-G-A-R-T-E-R.com, and they can help you with all your payroll needs. Like I mentioned, tax filing and year-end reporting, compliance reporting, human resources management, time and attendance tracking, and more. All your payroll needs can be handled by the team at Bean Garter. Find out more at beangarter.com. We played for the thrill. That rush you feel with the game on the line. I'm Herman Moore, Lions All-Pro Wide Receiver. Now, with Eagle Casino and Sports, the new sportsbook app from Soren Eagle, anywhere I'm at, I'm still in the game. Sign up now and get up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000 for a risk-free bet on your next favorite underdog parlay or prop. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 or older than Michigan to play. Make sure you listen weekly to our Moving Ferris Forward interviews with Ferris President Bill Pink and other leaders who are moving Ferris forward. Find out more about Big Rapids and Ferris and what they have to offer at ferris.edu. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the huge show across Michigan, segment two on a Wednesday, presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association, their executive director, Mark Ewell, in studio. So, Mark, you mentioned that you do all of these uh, state tour stops to get feedback from uh, member high schools. Uh, We talked about the NIL. Uh, We talked about uh, what they like, don't like. Uh, What else is on the hot topic list? For Michigan high schools when it comes to sports. So we're talking about the winter sports calendar. Um, I think there's a lot of sentiment for the winter seasons to end a week earlier. Um, for example, what if a, our next two years are set, so we're not going to do anything with the calendar until at least the uh, 2025-26 school year, but we're really talking about moving our winter calendar up by one week. What that would do, Bill, is that would put our boys' basketball finals every year on the weekend of the Big Ten basketball tournament. Right now, we have some challenges drawing spectators to our championships at Breslin because we're competing with probably the most powerful event in all of sports, and that's the three-week run of the NCAA tournament. So we would love to get our high school seasons, as much of it done before the NCAA tournament starts. So our calendar would be the boys' finals at the Breslin Center, which would now be, um, in most years, it'd be the second weekend of March. Our girls' finals would stay on the same weekend, and our girls' basketball would then be the finishing exclamation point on the winter, and they would be the third weekend of March, which would be on their corresponding date, which is the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. Um, And then that would be it. We would put winter to bed. Uh, Spring coaches would love it. Often our spring coaches feel like they they, uh, sometimes aren't a priority, so they would get their spring athletes a week earlier. 
And the other thing, and I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to this, over the last 10 years, most school districts have moved their spring breaks one week earlier. Bill, when you and I were probably growing up, spring break every year was the first full week of April. Well, what's happened is most of our schools have moved their spring break into late March. So now the kids do break in March, come back, you get a full week of school that first week of April, and now that second week of April is the spring state testing window because they didn't want kids coming off the beach somewhere in Florida that first week of April, and now that first Monday back in school after spring break, uh, you're sitting down and taking a, a standardized state test. So we've seen breaks move earlier into March, um, and we just feel like it would give us better exposure, a better fit on the calendar. It would also uh, open up some more runway for our spring sports. And so right now it seems like our schools are in support of just getting winter started a week earlier, ending it a week earlier, um, just really seems to fit in a lot of different ways. You know, speaking of championships, uh, coming up in November will be the first time you will have all four championships for Michigan High School uh, boys soccer in the fall, all at one location in Grand Ledge. It is, and, and uh, I think our soccer community is really excited about this because um, what we always had to do is we played two of our divisions in the Grand Rapids area, two of our divisions in the Metro Detroit area. Well, depending on your matchups, you would always have a couple of fan bases that were in West Michigan that had to go to Detroit or vice versa. With us now putting all four championship games right in mid-Michigan at Grand Ledge High School, which has a beautiful stadium, a new turf setup, nice wide field. It's a perfect fit for soccer. Um, to now have all four championship games centrally located at one spot, it'll be great for TV coverage. It will be great for media coverage. And uh, I think now all fans inspect nobody will have to make that statewide trek anymore. You've got everybody coming to the middle of the state. And so now that first Saturday in, in November, uh, we're really, really looking forward to a great uh, first experience at Grand Ledge High School. Mark, I know you do the fall tour and you get the feedback from member schools, but just from what you think, your staff, what you talk about, what you think would be awesome to add to high school sports, what, what, what is in that conversation for you today? So right now we're, and that's one of the topics on the tour, is we're asking our schools, are we now at the point where we need to look at adding sports? Um, the six that, that I'm talking about to the over 1,000 people I'll meet with, uh, and I'm about halfway done, so we've got three of our, our meetings done. We started in Kalamazoo. We were in Detroit last week. I was here in uh, Grand Rapids yesterday. Kid Rock doesn't do a tour like that across Michigan. There you go. Tomorrow is Frankenmuth with a chicken dinner at Zender's mm. is where the uh, Frankenmuth meeting is. And then next week uh, we're in Gaylord and then we're in Lansing. And then at the end of October, I'll head up and uh, meet with our UP schools in the Superior Dome at Marquette. Sure, you don't want to move that up a week or two? No. Forget about the state championships. Never know what weather you're going to get in October in the UP. That is true, and we're always trying to avoid deer hunting dates whenever you go above the bridge. So it's finding that right date on the calendar that seems to work for our school people. But one of the things that uh, it's the last thing I talk about is, okay, what's the appetite right now for new activities? And, and kind of the menu that we're looking at, um, boys and girls water polo. So that right now is, it's sponsored by about 70 of our schools. 
we've only got about 40 teams in each gender because a lot of those schools that are water polo schools um, have co-op agreements. So, and it tends to be our biggest school. So our aquatic schools are, are those tend to be our bigger schools. So certainly uh, boys and girls water polo is, is on the radar. Uh, boys volleyball here in West Michigan, there is tremendous growth. Uh, I think there's a little less interest in the Metro Detroit area, but we're certainly getting the feedback of us uh, sponsoring boys volleyball. You've already got facilities, equipment, coaches, and officials. It's not like you're starting a brand new sport. It's really that that turnkey that you have in the fall with girls. What would that look like with boys in the spring? We're also talking girls flag football. I think there is a lot of interest. The challenge with with flag football for girls is what season do you play it? I know we've talked about this on here before. You know, if it fits into the fall, does that create some new choices for kids? There's already a ton of different sports in the spring. Would the spring be the the right choice or the wrong choice? I am envious of my colleagues. Uh, Several of our southern states uh, have flag football. Florida, especially where it's just taken off. Well, my my envy is they play girls flag football in Florida during the winter. Um, it fits perfectly on their calendar. Um, obviously, we've got some more weather weather and climate change uh, challenges ahead of us. So, but we are looking at uh, girls flag football, uh, looking at girls field hockey. Small number of schools, but a, a very well run organization. Girls ice hockey, and then last but not least, and. You still bring this topic up in the room and you get all kinds of reactions. It's the eSports question. Many of our universities are now starting eSports, have programs. Um, that dilemma of do you, are you now encouraging kids to spend more time in front of a screen? But yet all of the mental health studies that you read about kids is at the end of the day, kids just want to belong to something. And if starting eSports in schools probably capturing kids who aren't part of our traditional athletic programs now. So we'll see where the uh, eSports conversation and debate continues to take us. So on the we do a survey during my presentation. It's real time. Folks do it on their phone with a QR code. And so we are getting some really good feedback of, one, is there an appetite for us to add new sports right now? And if so, uh, what are your, uh, your two highest priorities of, of what those sports would be? I think the most participation would be boys volleyball and girls flag football. Yep. I know I'm seeing it with the NFL now making a big push, donating the flag football programs all across the country and states that are playing flag football. And I saw they made a donation to a flag football program. The Lions did in Detroit. Yep. Uh, they did a big one, the NFL out in Arizona. I just think you already have the fields. There's not a lot of cost for flags. Right, you have officials who can work it, and you have boys volleyball would be perfect in the spring. The, the girls' flag football season is one that I, I kind of say because it's the mindset of football that you might start it a little bit earlier in August before school would start, and the girls play. There's nothing going on, and they could finish up when the weather's still good, similar to soccer somewhere in late October, and you run the girls' games on mostly Monday night, right, mm-hmm. where, you know, football would be done. The games are at, you know, 7 o'clock. You know, flag football take a couple of hours, if that hour and a half. 
Yeah, and it could be a shorter season. So there's lots of different right. options available. And again, it's you know we we talked earlier today, Bill. You know the the obituary that was written about all things football and high school football. Um, we're seeing great growth and in, in rebound uh, with our with our boys playing tackle, and I also think we're seeing a lot of interest uh, all around the country of of girls getting a chance uh, to play flag football as well, which uh, I think just bodes well for the future. And watching Powder Puff games at Four Hills Eastern the final two years when my daughter was there, there were there were some energy, some great talent, and. Yeah. Again, it would be easy to pull off with those high school stadiums, and you do it on an off night, a Monday, Tuesday, games to rotate so officials could get to all of them. And I think you get a ton of participation. I, I You're going to cannibalize what fall sport for the girls. You have be- cross country and volleyball a little bit, but you could end it close enough where – uh, well, volleyball, you probably hit volleyball and cross country. It's volleyball, right? cross country, and golf, uh, along with swimming and diving. So uh, – I think there would be more challenges to try and do it in the spring. Now you're competing with softball, track, girls lacrosse, girls soccer, soccer, girls tennis. Um, So I think the fall would make some more sense than the spring. But again, we're a membership-driven organization, and that's why I do the tour. That's why we do the survey, and uh, we're going to get good direction here from our schools. Because if you guys do add those sports, they never can say, Mark! You never asked us. You never asked. Yes, we did on uh, his tour. They even have concert like T-shirts for MHSIA.com. No, they took them off now. All right, so those concert, the tour, uh, the Yule Tour. Yule Tour. Frankenmuth. Zenders. Now, I played at the Fortress, and Zenders owns the Fortress. Yep. And they catered the food afterwards. Best food I've ever had post-golf at any outing ever. So tomorrow in Frankenmuth, I'll actually get administrators from all over the state um, who won't go to the meeting that might be closest to their front door, but they'll make the trip up to Frankenmuth because of the lunch. Uh, it is. It's in the Zenders Banquet Center, mm. and it is uh, a oh. wonderful chicken luncheon. It was fantastic. Mark, uh, speaking of fantastic, job well done today. Uh, be safe on all your travels. I appreciate what you do for the kids and what your team does out of Lansing for all the high schools, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Bill. All right, Mark, you executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, Joining us in studio on an MHSAA Wednesday. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. No one cares what you've been through. No one cares about your hopes, your dreams, your desire to make a difference in this world. Guess what? That isn't true. Law enforcement cares. That's why people join the force. Maybe they came from a world where those things are true. Maybe they didn't. But here's something they have in common. They do care. Maybe you should consider being around people who truly care about you. Visit michiganpolicechiefs.org and start the conversation. Elevate your night out at the legendary Roots Chris Steakhouse. Now open at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Start with the finest cuts of USDA prime beef. Pair that with handcrafted cocktails, signature signs, and Roots' legendary hospitality, and you've got yourself one incredible night. Roots Chris Steakhouse has arrived. Make a reservation at RootsChris.com for your incredible night at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Your getaway reimagined. How would you like to win $1,500 in cash from Josh Garvey and his team at Bean Carter Dorn Mayhew Firm? All I have to do is beat my pro football picks and you could be the winner. Get your picks in until early Sunday morning at thehugeshow.net. 
Tracy, over to you for weather. Oh, the sun must be shining, Dave, because the 7 for 7 sale is back at Meyer. Mix or match hundreds of items like Meyer frozen vegetables, Campbell's condensed soup, and Body Armor sports drink. Pick any 7 for just $7. There's a strong chance of saving with the same quality Meyer deals in-store or online. Back to you, Dave. Sounds great, Tracy. Deals so good. You've just got to talk about them. Meyer. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. Huge here for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now we're back with another week of football, and DraftKings is keeping us in on all the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers who download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code HUGE when they sign up can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away with an instant winner. Just use that code HUGE when you sign up after downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Also, DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up with code HUGE. New customers then can bet $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. That's only on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and that's also only when you use code HUGE when you sign up. The crown is yours. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up in Michigan only. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. It's time for another edition of True and Blue on the Huge Show across Michigan. Each and every week we get together with the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police and we talk about the great stories behind law enforcement agencies all across our state and the brave men and women who serve and protect on a daily basis. And today we're going to welcome in Jeremy Peppers, St. Joseph Township Police Department down in Berrien County in southwest Michigan. He is standing by on True and Blue. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me. All right. Tell me about where you felt the need to serve and protect and where and when you got involved in law enforcement. Well, uh, for, for as long as I can remember, uh, being a police officer was something I always wanted to do. Uh, I think it originated from my grandfather being a police officer. Um, when I was a young boy, my mom found a picture that I drew as a kid that said I want to be a police officer when I grow up, and I think it just kind of stuck. Um, the thing about the job that I love is it's different every shift. You get to make a, a real impact in your community, and there's so many different ways that we can help people. You know, what's interesting, Jeremy, in looking at your law enforcement resume from the Bangor Police Department to Benton Harbor to St. Joe, you've been on the small town side of law enforcement in the bigger city. Uh, what's the difference there between being a small town police officer and working in a bigger city? I think uh, being in a small town allows you to just have a little bit more sense of community. Um, you know, my department, we host and participate uh, in a lot of local events every year. 
Um, we're able to engage our citizens out in the neighborhoods. Um, I personally have good relationships with people in our neighborhoods, and I step out and I and talk with those people frequently. And then now as you move into the bigger city side of law enforcement, how has that changed over the years? Um, you know, over the years, I guess, uh, you know, I started 23 years ago, so there's a lot of different technology that we have now that we didn't have at the beginning. Um, you know, computers in every car, cameras, those kind of things uh, definitely make, uh, make it different. So when you look at uh, law enforcement today, uh, if you were – the chief of police for every law enforcement agency in Michigan. What do you think could happen uh, both on the civilian side and the law enforcement side where police officers would be more respected by everybody? Um, you know, ultimately just uh, giving each other grace, you know, with some of these investigations and some of the, the major incidents that happen. I think uh, the public is quick to, make a judgment on something that they don't have all of the information about. Um, you know, the videos get released and, and we can't really give a whole lot of details about what's going on because it's still an active investigation. So, so a lot of times I think maybe just giving us a little grace and a little time to, to get through those investigations so we can get all the information out to everybody. You know, one show that I told everybody on air, I think last week, I've watched this body cam. I think it's on HBO Max. And what's interesting about that compared to other snippets you get of body cams is that they will run start to finish on a call and the entire body cam film is portrayed, talked about uh, with the officers, uh, with the people involved. And it really shows a different side of law enforcement. I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but I find that series, it's really a go-to series. I think I've went through all the current episodes, but... Uh, you see from the minute they get the call until they respond, and they be in yourself and law enforcement, and it really shows uh, how dangerous the job is, which most people understand, and also what you go through, depending on whether it's a normal call of pulling somebody over or all hell's breaking loose. Yeah, that's true. Uh, those shows definitely uh, show us in a different light, and uh, I, think they're, I think they're a good thing. It gets our... Our point of view out there, uh, they get to see things they wouldn't normally see, and, and I think it's I think it helps. Yeah, it really does. And now, and you help other officers uh, coming into law enforcement as a certified field training officer. By the way, uh, Jeremy Peppers from the St. Joseph Township Police Department down in Berrien County in Southwest Michigan, joining us on another edition of True and Blue on the Huge Show across Michigan uh, in the field as a field training officer. What's the most important thing you teach future law enforcement agency employees? Uh, the number one thing um, that I'm teaching them is to make sure that we're going home at the end of every day. Um, I teach them tactics to keep them safe, you know, on traffic stops and all the things that we do. Um, that's definitely, definitely the number one thing. What's the one thing that the public should know that you and other police officers know that would help them understand being a police officer and what it takes to do it day in and day out? Um, I think honestly, just um, being cordial, you know, we, we stop cars sometimes and, and they're, you know, not uh, exactly friendly with us. 
Um, they don't, you know, want to show us things and, and people don't understand that sometimes that makes us a little nervous and, you know, there should just be a general understanding between both of us that we're both just uh, in the situation because we have to be. Um, and I think it could help us to, to both understand how those situations work, maybe. And how do you wind down? How, how do you, you know, again, turn it on, turn it off? Uh, all police officers have lives uh, beyond putting on the badge. Uh, what's it like for you, Jeremy, that helps you get away and kind of uh, just cleanse your soul and mind and get you ready for another shift or another week of being a police officer? <laughs> I, I spend a lot of time um, I'm coaching my son's baseball team. I, uh, I play some golf. I actually play on a, a softball league occasionally. Um, we got a group of guys that play basketball during the week um, in the wintertime. So I definitely keep myself active and um, keep my mind away from it when I'm not working. My man, I appreciate uh, what you do and what everybody in the St. Joseph Township Police Department down in Berrien County, what they do in all law enforcement across the state, man. Uh, you go out every day, you don't know what the next call is going to be, and I really appreciate your service and your willingness to protect and serve. Okay, my man? All right, thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, great job, Jeremy Peppers, uh, joining us, police officer down St. Joe uh, Township Police Department in Berrien County, another edition of True and Blue, uh, presented by the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police here on the Huge Show across Michigan. Big. Bad. Huge.